Welcome, everybody. Why don't we put our hands together, welcome all our family in Kingsgate, Cambridge, Leicester, London, those in Cafe Church, and any who are watching online. We are looking at this whole subject of confidence. We've been looking at how we can walk in greater peace and greater contentment. Today, I want to continue and finish off by looking at how we can be confident in the whole area of our finances. Now, as soon as I talk about confidence and finances, how many think it's an interesting time to be talking about that? I mean, as I was watching some of the Brexit debates, confidence was not a word that came through. (laughs) Do you know what the number one word that kept coming through? Uncertainty. So I thought I'd start by lightening the atmosphere a little bit. Somebody sent this in to me. I thought you'd enjoy this. Financial uncertainty has now hit Japan. In the last seven days, Origami Bank has folded. (laughs) Guess better. Sumo Bank has gone belly up. (laughs) And Bonsai Bank has announced plans to cut some of its branches. (laughs) Yesterday, it was announced that the Karaoke Bank will go up for sale and will likely go for a song. That's a bit cringy. While shares in Kamikaze Bank were suspended today after they nosedived. Meanwhile, Samurai Bank is soldiering on after sharp cutbacks. 500 staff at Karate Bank got the chop. And analysts report there's something fishy going on at Sushi Bank, where it's feared the staff may get a raw deal. (laughs) Joking aside, uh, I want to acknowledge there is a lot of uncertainty around, and you may be feeling some of that. And I'm conscious, as soon as we talk on the... The whole subject of finance, it can be a glorious subject. If we're doing well, it can be a very painful subject. And so I believe God is here today to give me a word to help you grow in confidence at the start of 2019. You know, it's important, you see, if we've got financial worries and anxiety, how many know it can mess up every other area of our life? And so in the midst of the uncertainty, and not denying the fact that we live in the world, as people of God, we are not of this world, we are part of another economic system that is not limited, is not subject to Brexit, or the deal, or the world economy, and it is the kingdom of God. It runs on a different uh, supply system. It's not so much supply and demand, it's giving and receiving. It's not based on selfishness and accumulation, it's based on generosity, helping other people, knowing that we have an unlimited God who will take care of us and resupply us, amen? And so that's, when I talk today about confidence, that's what I wanna talk about. Our confidence as kingdom investors. And I wanna start by giving a little background to the passage in the book we're looking at. As many of you know, we've been looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians. And so we're going to come to chapters uh, 4, verse 14 to 20. Before I go there, um, many of you know that at the start of the year, I went on a short New Testament study tour following in the footsteps of Paul in Greece. Now, some of you think Greece, you think sunshine beaches lolling around. Can I say anything? uh, Couldn't be further from the truth. They had their worst snow for 30 years. And, you know, we were driving long distances, uh, but it it was an amazing trip. And one of the highlights was when we came to the site of ancient Philippi. 
And so standing there in the snow on this sort of ancient archaeological site, some things, the penny started dropping for me about this passage and about the Philippians. Uh, In Acts, Philippi Philippi is described as a leading city in Macedonia. That's northern Greece. But what isn't clear until you get there is how small it was. When we think leading city, don't think London. It's more like a village. And then, as as we travel to Thessalonica, um, several miles away, which was the capital of Macedonia, you realize how much larger Thessalonica was and something just click for me. I thought, this is amazing. This church in Philippi was in a relatively small place, and yet they were Paul's number one supporters, and they were so generous and so radically transformed by God's grace. They not only funded the gospel in their city, but they gave to help Paul in larger, more wealthy cities like Thessalonica and even beyond. And so with that backdrop, let me just... um, Go back to the book of Philippians. Paul starts his letter with really a heart burden, and I feel the same way about you in Kingsgate. With absolute gratitude, Paul says, for your partnership in the gospel. He feels overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude for these amazingly faithful people. And in the case of Kingsgate, many of us have been partnering together for decades, not just days. And so, Paul writes this and he picks up on this theme of partnership in chapter 4, verse 14. Let me read this to you. Yet it was good of you, Paul says, to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and here's the promise, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So let me just step back a little bit. Firstly, Paul is very concerned to let them know how they can be confident how God's going to bless them. But if you look at this passage and you look at Acts and you look at 2 Corinthians... There is no suggestion that this group of Christians were kind of in a give and get mentality. You know, this is not, the, you know, the gospel is not a poverty gospel. It's not a materialistic prosperity gospel, but it is a provision gospel. And these first century Christians, these people in the church of Philippi gave not to get, it wasn't like a slot machine mentality, they were so radically saved. Notice that it's partnership in the gospel. What does the word gospel mean? Good news. And, and they, I believe, overwhelmed that God had sent this guy, Paul, thousands of miles across the known world to rescue them out of their idolatry, to rescue them out of their bondage. And they were just so filled with the grace of God that their lives overflowed in rich generosity. 
Can I say that's so important we start there? That we recognize our motivation is not giving to get. It's an overflow of gratitude to our amazing God for sending Jesus and bringing the gospel to us. That we might be free now and all eternity. That, that, that's, our, that's our motivation. But then Paul kind of turns the corner there in this passage and makes this remarkable statement. I've been pondering on this verse for a couple of weeks now. Paul says this, not that I desire your gifts, so I'm very grateful for them. (laughs) They've really helped. The gospel's being funded, but that's not really why I'm writing here. What I desire is that more may be credited to your account. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not primarily interested in getting something from you. I'm interested in God wants to get something to you. Amen. (laughs) He's saying there's something about what your generous, grace-filled, giving out of grace and gratitude has done. God wants to credit things to your account. Um, literally the word there for credited is the word fruit, but it means, it's like a financial word here, it has the meaning of advantage, gain, or profit. One New Testament scholar from a very reputed commentary series puts it like this, I I love this, by combining this term, fruit, with the financial sense of account, Paul is speaking in the language of an investments manager, he desires continuously increasing profits, daily compounding interest, and accumulating dividends for the Philippians' account. How many of you in 2019 would like to know that working for you is another economic system, there's an unlimited God who wants to give you increasing profits, daily compounding interest, and accumulating dividends into your account or your credit? So what I want to do is uh, I want to look at what that word fruit or credit or profit acts, what did Paul mean by that? And I believe there's a three-dimensional sense of what this word means. The blessings, the confidence that God wants to give us relate to the spiritual dimension, relate to the financial, and relate to the eternal. Can we say this together? Spiritual, financial, and eternal. First promise, first reason we can be confident like Paul is for these uh, first century Christians. As we invest in God's kingdom, the first promise is this, we will be spiritually blessed. I don't you, I want to be more spiritually blessed in 2019. And Paul's main concern in writing the church in the Philippi is indeed their spiritual growth and health. For example, in uh, Philippians 1, Paul desires that they might grow in love. And then he uses this phrase, that you may be, he prays that you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now, what do you think the fruit of righteousness is? It's a spiritual blessing, isn't it? We can look into Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, 23. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. How many know that God is concerned First and foremost, with your spiritual well-being, that we might know Christ, that we might have Christ as our treasure, and we might become more like him, and that we might be transformed from one degree of glory to another. The question is, what's the link between their giving financially 
and they're blessing their maturity or their growth spiritually. I've said this before, but uh, you know, one of my favorite quotes from my dad is the last thing to be uh, converted is a man's wallet or pocketbook, or, or shall we say bank account. You see, because there's something about money, isn't there? How many, when you, you heard me saying, we're going to talk about finances, you went, yes! <laughs> How many there was something in you that might have gone, ah! See, because the Bible says that the love of money is, is a root of all kinds of e- evil. It has the power to tug our hearts away from God. And Paul knows that. And so he says, do you know, one of the hallmarks that this group of Christians were truly saved and got the gospel was that they were generous gone very quiet. (laughs) But you see, when we give, God does something wonderful for us. He frees us from fear, from covetousness, in order that we might trust our God and we might be a blessing to other people. And Paul is saying that because you've been generous, because you're giving financial, God wants to pour and is able to pour more spiritual blessing. You're getting freer. You're becoming more like Jesus who gave everything for us. This is about spiritual blessings. And then it, as if it, to make it super clear, he, he keeps on this spiritual theme in chapter 4, verse 18. Having just said, I want fruit to be a credit to your account, he, he acknowledges their gifts. And then he says, they, your gifts... I love this language. Can we say these words, these phrases? Are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Now about you, I don't know what motive you have for giving, but I want fundamentally, whatever I do with my life, my time, my talents, my treasure, I want to please the God who saved me. The thought that my gift, the thought that our giving as a church can be something that's like a fragrant aroma in, 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 in the throne of heaven. Isn't that beautiful? God, you, you see, we, we, can, we can make spiritual sacrifices when we praise God, but there's something about our giving that like God says, ah, oh, that's an acceptable sacrifice. I love that. Something that is pleasing to God. Um, every year in Kingsgate, we as well as our regular giving, we, we take up a special offering. And I just love praying over that offering and lifting the offering up to the Lord as, as, as we worship and as we take communion together. And so often over the years, this verse has popped into my spirit as we're doing that, Philippians 4 verse 18. It's almost like as we're doing it and lifting up our, our giving, much of it I know is very sacrificially given. And it's like, I, I feel the Lord saying, yeah, these gifts... Oh, they smell so good to me. This is a pleasing sacrifice. This is something that is good to me. Isn't it amazing that we can gladden the heart of God? Thought about that? As I look back to our journey, um, you know, when Karen and I first felt God speaking to us in this whole area of finances, let me be clear, we weren't giving to get. We we didn't really (laughs) probably know enough of all the promises of God to know that there was blessings. We just, we just wanted to give back to the God who'd given everything to us. And then when we started realizing that there was almost like a faith and obedience issue, 
that obedience in the financial area would mean that we would be, become closer to God spiritually. And we realized that, you know, we, we could experience an open heaven. It was like, well, we want to get our finances in order. And I can honestly say almost like for about two, three years, there was like the number one message that God was saying to us. I want to teach you how to honor me how to obey me and how to believe me in this whole area of finances. Like, so why would God be so concerned at the early days of our marriage and ministry? Because there's a, there's a principle here. Jesus teaches it in the parable of the shrewd manager. He says this, if, if you want to be trusted with true riches, which is the power of God, the presence of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, how many want more of the power of God, the presence of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks yokes, that sets you and other people free? How many want more of that in your life? in 2019. I want more of that. I want that for all of us. And as if the Lord was saying, I want to entrust you with my spiritual blessings. I want to trust you with my power. I want to trust you with my word. But first, I I want you to be trustworthy. And that's what the parable said. Jesus said, if you can't be trusted in practical financial areas, then you can't be entrusted with greater riches, which are the things of the spirit. And so, and I believe that Sometimes that's what God does. Many of you may be here right now. You say, I want a spiritual breakthrough. And can I say, we're not earning God's grace. He's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. But we position ourselves to get free and to get close to God and have an open heaven. When we obey him in this area, we get free from the love of money and that ghastly idol of materialism in order that we can love God, serve God and be free to fulfill his purposes in our lives. Amen. And so there's, there's a connection here, kingdom investment, financial generosity, and spiritual blessing. Now I could pause there and actually say, right, that's enough. <laughs> that's all we need to know. We can please God, we can honor God, we can get free. But the good news is the Bible doesn't end there. Because the blessings Paul, the fruit that Paul is talking about to their account, he doesn't just stop with the spiritual because he knows <laughs> you know, that we need encouragement in this whole area. And he knows that he's talking to a bunch of Christians here who are given so generously, he wants them to know not only would they be, are they being and will be spiritually blessed, but secondly, they will be financially resupplied or financially provided for. I mean, just think again about these first century Christians, these Macedonian Christians. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, they were so generous that they were almost upheld as a model of generosity for other more prestigious cities like the church in Corinth. Paul actually said on one occasion, these guys were so radically changed by the grace of God and generous that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Would you think that's pretty stunning? But Paul wants to reassure these radically generous, sacrificially um, generous Christians. He says, but I want you to know you can't outgive God. We, he says, I know you, this is me paraphrasing, I know you didn't give to get, but I want to tell you, you can't outdo God because God is far richer and more generous than you are. And so it's in that context that he speaks this amazing promise that's true for first century and 21st century Christians. Let's read this together, Philippians 4.19. This is the promise. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And I want to just pause on this verse for a moment because you know the promises of God are like weapons. 
Weapons against fear. You know, last couple of weeks we've been looking at peace. There are promises of peace in Philippians 4. There's promises of contentment and strength. You know, let's go into this year 2019. And it is a, you know, probably haven't had a, some of us haven't had a year outwardly in economic and politically, maybe for as long as we can remember. But what a great and timely word this is. Let's speak against the fear. Let's speak against the uncertainty and the confusion. And let's rise up as the children of God and say, we're not immune to what's going on. We're not unsympathetic to what's going on. But we are not of this kingdom. And we have a promise. And we have a secret source of supply. Take this verse. Write it down memorize it, declare it over your finances and let's believe that we're going to see incredible provision and breakthrough and blessing in the midst of all this uncertainty in Jesus' name. So, so, so let me just unpack that verse. Firstly, it's highly relational. Paul isn't just basing this because he's read the Old Testament been immersed in it and knows that this is who God is. He knows personally that God has supplied. And so he said, my God, I, I'm totally confident. I, I know that God is faithful. And then notice he's talking about God here. <laughs> he's not talking about somebody who's limited. Amen. He's not talking about somebody who's stingy. He's talking about somebody who's generous. He's talking about somebody who's got all the love and the compassion and all the power to meet theirs and our needs. Not just according to our needs, but according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Amen. We often think about our bank account or, you know, even the Bank of England has limits. You know that, don't you? Could run out one day. <laughs> I'll tell you, God's bank, God's riches never run. He's the creator of everything. Everything, every, everything we ever receive is from him. And he's able to do supernaturally and miraculously above and beyond all that we ask, think, or imagine. Now, across Kingsgate, and certainly in our own lives as well, you know, we have many great testimonies of God's supply. And I just want to play you one of what could have been a number of somebody who recently had a, a great testimony of God's provision in a real crisis situation. Please watch this. Hi, my name is Jacinta. I started coming to Kingsgate in 2008 after I was invited by my friend. And in 2009, I gave my life and I had a testimony of one lady who spoke of how God was faithful to her when she started um, giving her 10% to God's house. And I thought, that can't be true. And I thought, would God do the same for me if I'm faithful? And I thought, I don't have any money because I was in so much debt. And I thought, I'll give it a go and see if it's true. It was so hard. It wasn't an easy thing to do. But I just thought, if the word says he's faithful, I'm going to see if he is faithful to me also. So I started giving. First month, I didn't see anything different. It was still the same phone calls companies wanting their money, red letters coming through the letterbox. It was just an unpleasant situation, one which I wouldn't want anybody to be in. And second month, the letters slowly started cutting down and the calls were not as much as they used to be. And the next thing, I got a call saying that, oh, thank you very much, you've paid 
you've paid up. And I thought, that can't be true. With the amount I owe them, how? My salary hadn't changed. I hadn't changed any job. I hadn't changed any of my hours. I was still doing the same hours I was contracted to do. But I managed to pay with the same money which I had and coming out. It wasn't a debt which I could come out within a short period. It was something that it would take me at least five or six years for me to clear it. But with six months, it was all cleared. I will continue giving my tithe. Even if I don't have, I will continue because he is faithful. Now, I don't look back. I'm not going to look back and say, no, I should stop or anything. That has helped me grow in my faith and in believing God that he is able. And I'm happy I did it. And I'm financially free. Thank you. Amen. Is that great testimony? Our God is faithful. And we, we talked to Jacinta this week. And many years on, she's still financially free. Isn't our God good? Able to supernaturally clear debts way ahead of time. Let me just say, as, as a rider, if your um, finances in real trouble, um, you know, God is not just interested in you giving him the first 10%. He's, he's interested in helping you manage the 100%. Amen. And so please, you know, after this service in all our venues, talk to somebody, the pastoral team, the finance team, get help. We run courses and all kinds of things to help you get your finances in order. But that aside, God is a good God. He's a generous God. He provides. Yes, when we step out and honor him with the first fruits, but also, and I believe this um, promise in Philippians 4.19, it's really a promise of um, him providing for us when we learn to go on a journey of generosity like the Philippians. You see, you know, for many of us, we already are tithing, but you know, I believe God wants to encourage all of us to grow in a journey of generosity, knowing that as we do, we're going to become more like him, we're going to be spiritually blessed. And secondly, that we are going to be financially resupplied. And again, how many think that's pretty powerful stuff to encourage us to be confident? But Paul doesn't even stop there. There's a third dimension of um, promise that as we become kingdom investors, we can be confident, thirdly, that we will be eternally rewarded. We will be eternally rewarded. I don't know whether in the natural um, you are an investor in anything. And if you are, you'll know that, generally speaking, the, the best investors think long-term, not just short-term. They're not just out to make a quick buck. They're there to invest in something long-term. You've got compound interest and long-term dividends. In the New Testament, Paul, Jesus, and the other um, key uh, figures in the New Testament, they had a much greater long-term view of the Christian life than many 21st century Christians. And so let me just pause here a moment and say that if we want to be confident, not only are we confident that our giving is changing us, we're getting spiritually blessed and we're honoring God. Our, our giving will be resupplied and he will provide for our needs. But thirdly, we are actually doing something incredibly powerful, precious, and very long-term. How many think eternity is a long time? How many think that's long-term thinking? 
If you, sometimes, you know, I think, oh, maybe we should hold a bit back. I, I want to be a long-term thinker and a long-term investor because money that we spend now, we can't take with us. But money that we invest in the gospel and in people's lives being transformed will last for eternity and are going to make a difference in people's lives for eternity and will be rewarded in eternity. Let's be long-term kingdom investors. And Paul um, wants to encourage again this church in Philippi that that's what they were. This partnership language that's actually um, throughout the letter and strong in this passage, Paul's saying, you guys are amazing. (laughs) You know, you, you, you were giving like no one else was. You were the only church who got behind this, the gospel. And you gave to the my ministry in the, the wealthy capital city of Thessalonica. And, and you gave way beyond yourself as I started traveling further away. And you didn't just do it once. He said you did it once and again. <laughs> and, and I just want to you know, acknowledge that the, the power of partnership. You see, what they were doing is these probably largely quite poor Philippian Christians involved in their daily lives were involved in something way beyond themselves. I mean, next week as we begin our new series, I'm going to talk again about, amongst other things, the importance of us being kingdom ambassadors right where we are and how everything you do 24-7 is making a difference for Jesus. But there's something we can do like these early Christians. By our giving, we can be involved in something way bigger than ourselves. And in this case... They were involved, you see, when Paul went to Thessalonica and established a church there, um, they were sharing with him in that, in that ministry. When Paul goes to Corinth and they see signs and wonders and miracles, when he goes to Athens, when he sees revival in Ephesus, Paul's saying to these, these first century Christians, he says, because you were faithful and diligent and generous, it's not my ministry as an apostle. We are sharers together. We are partners in this kingdom enterprise. And we are together, say together, transforming lives. And we will be rewarded in eternity for our investment. This is, this is massive. As I think about these three reasons, or these three reasons for confidence, any one of them is strong. The fact that we are partners together in making an eternal difference. So I want to just pause for a moment and acknowledge and thank the hundreds and hundreds of faithful Kingsgate committed members, people who've come on board over the years and have said, some for decades, some more recently have said, we want to stand together to partner for purpose to make an eternal difference. Can I say, not just what we are seeing in our own centers, but there's a generosity of spirit about uh, what, what we're involved in that means that many of us have given and invested in other Kingsgate centers to see the gospel established in those cities. Isn't that amazing? And then we're also giving beyond Kingsgate, not only in our missions work, but things like the learning communities. We are partnering to help literally some of the most influential and significant churches across the UK and some in Europe breakthrough and that they might be blessed. You say, yeah, I'm not there though. I'm not involved in that. Yes, you are if you're a partner. I I just had an email in last week um, of 
Do you remember the, the, the book that I wrote and the course we did, Transform Life? You know, some, some guy had introduced it to his local Baptist church. They'd picked up on it. They run the whole course through the church. The church grew from four to 11 small groups or life groups. People were getting saved. People were getting added into the church. And you say, that's, that's us together, Kingsgate. We are blessing others. Because we're partnering together, not just with our finances, but with our time, talents, and treasure. We are making a difference, church. Just like the Philippians were making a difference beyond themselves. If you're here and you're, you're new into Kingsgate, wherever, in any of our locations, you say, I want to partner together. Well, in all our centers, we're going to be running another what we call commitment course where we teach how we can partner together for purpose and make a difference. For, you know, encourage you to come off the sidelines, get in the action, and let's together make a difference. It may be that you've been around for a while and you, you've, you've, dropped, you, you, you've, you've fallen back in your commitment. Well, why not at the start of 2019 make a decision? I want my life to count. I want to make a difference. I want to become a kingdom investor and partner in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, we can enter 2019 with all the backdrop of uncertainty, with a renewed confidence by giving with gratitude, faithfully, generously, knowing that we will be spiritually blessed, will be financially resupplied, and we will be rewarded for eternity. Let me close with an analogy. It's of a man who's in the desert, dying of thirst, He's ready to give up when he finds a small oasis. At the small oasis, he finds a well with a small jar of water. There he reads the instructions. Pour the water in the well to prime the pump and then drink as much as you want. But remember to refill the jar with water for the next traveler. The man thinks to himself, I could drink this water and take care of my thirst right now. But it wouldn't be enough, and I couldn't survive on the trip on just a small jar of water. So he takes a step of faith, pours the only water that he saw, trusting the pump will supply all he can drink, and it does. The analogy is the same for us. As we go into 2019, let's be people of courage and confidence who follow God's instructions in his word, who as he prompts us, we give. And we trust God that as we, if you like, prime the pump, he will supply all of our needs and more than that so that we can bless many others and see many others refreshed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for your amazing generosity towards us in Christ. We, 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 we never want to forget, Lord, what you've done for us. And out of that, Lord, we ask you to come into our lives, change our hearts. We pray for an upgrade of confidence in this whole area for every single one of us, that we might see more of an open heaven, more financial provision, knowing that we're investing in eternity and we will be rewarded in Jesus' name. Amen.